for coming. If you're new this morning as well, a special welcome to you. We have some welcome cards that we'd love to give you if you are new. They're at the back. Um, Come and speak to myself or to Dave after the service if you're new and you'd like to get stuck in to the life of the church. It'd be great to see more people getting stuck in. I grew up watching the boat race on the television. Many of you would have seen the boat race. For some reason, I always supported Oxford. I don't know why, I think it was a family thing, and uh, there was a line on Only Fools and Horses once where he said, I always support Oxford in the boat race. I think that's, Oxford have always been my team to support. I'm sure we've got some Cambridge supporters in the room as well, over there. Yeah, fantastic. Well, not so fantastic, but uh, anyway, (laughs) sorry about that, yeah. But never did I know that one day, actually, I would get an opportunity to be able to row for an Oxford crew in a boat race of some sort. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Oxford University through the back door of the Church of England. Um, If you, you laugh, but if you haven't got the academic ability to go to Oxford on your own merits, go through the Church of England. Become an ordained minister. That's the way to get to Oxford. And uh, I'm actually being serious. Uh, But I had the opportunity to go to Oxford and to row, and then trials were coming up for the heavyweight boat race, 1st of September, so I thought, got to give it a go. Why not? Give it a go. So I thought, in order to do this, I've got about three months to train. 1st of September, there was a five-kilometer test that was waiting, and this was in June, so I've got a few months to train. So I set myself a training plan, an hour and 20 minutes every single day on the rowing machine, getting myself prepared. That was the most boring thing. If anyone's been on a rowing machine, you probably only want to last about 10 minutes. An hour and 20 minutes every day was incredibly boring. Anna and I went on holiday for a week in Greece, and I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go for an hour and a half run before the sun rose, just so that I could get myself fit, and I could get myself prepared for the trials that were going to take place on the 1st of September. The day arrived, finally, the one I'd been waiting for. I showed up at this warehouse in Oxford, and there were 30 or so other rowers that were training, like me, to trial for the boat race. Most of them six foot seven, (laughs) and I'm six foot, six foot one. I'm looking up at these guys, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, seven of which were Olympic rowers. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It was a post-Olympic year, and so the one I had to pick had to be a post-Olympic year, where the Olympic rowers had come to the end of their season. They thought, well, what do I do now? try the boat race. It looks good on the CV. So seven of which were Olympic rowers. And I'm an optimist, always been an optimist. But I looked around and I thought, I've got to be a bit of a realist at some point. Am I really going to get a shot at getting in this race? But I thought, no, I feel God has told me to do this. I've trained, I've prepared myself, I'm ready for this. So I sat on the rowing machine, five kilometer test of sheer pain ahead. And the coach calls three, two, one, go, off. And I'm not going to tell you how I got on. <laughs> but a couple of months later, it became quite clear, actually, I probably wasn't going to get in the heavyweight boat race that is on the telly. I know that's all what you were hoping I was going to say, but I had to face facts that probably wasn't going to happen. So I had a chance to get into the ISIS boat, which is the reserve boat, which isn't as prestigious, and you have to do all this training, and you don't get on the telly, and you don't get this stuff. So I thought, I can either do that, or I can trial to become a lightweight and to get uh, in the lightweight boat race, which also races against Cambridge a few weeks earlier. But this is in Henley, instead of on the part of the Thames starting from Putney that the heavyweight boat race starts. But I thought, if I want to do this, I've got to lose 20 kilos of weight 
I was currently sat at 90 kilos. I had to get down to 70 kilos in order to get into this lightweight category. And I wasn't particularly overweight at the time. I thought, how can I do this? Can I do this? And I honestly, I prayed about this. And I felt God say, yeah, go for it. Do it. Try. Go for it. And so I was training six days a week, six hours a day on the water, alongside studying for two degrees, because I had to do this other Oxford degree as well. Six days a week, six hours a day, a thousand calories a day. I looked like a skeleton. I looked awful. You see pictures of me. I looked absolutely awful. But a week before the race in March, I made it. I got in the crew. I got down to 70 kilos. I made it into the race. And on race day, I'm sat there in the Oxford boat on the bung line, ready to go. And we see Cambridge to our right. And I'm looking at these guys, and I'm thinking, these guys are tiny. These guys are skinny. Guys, we've got this in the bag. These guys are tiny. Little did I know actually how small we were as well. Average crew of 70 kilos. And the race sets off. Cambridge take the lead. We start to come back, but Cambridge keep taking the lead. And they take it, and they win the race. We lost the race against Cambridge. I was gutted, absolutely gutted. But I wasn't as gutted as the rest of my teammates because for me, so much of it was about actually getting in the race, actually achieving what I'd set out to achieve, that I was ready, that I was prepared for whatever Cambridge were going to throw at us. And we lost. But actually, in the midst of that, God taught me so much. But I was prepared, I was ready for whatever they were to throw at me. The Apostle Paul uses so many, so many training analogies in the New Testament of how we train for physical fitness, but we also need to train ourselves in godliness. I'm just going to read a couple of these now. There's, there's about five or six he uses, but I'm just going to read a couple. 1 Corinthians 9:24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Acts 20, verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I'm sure there's some of us here in the room that are training for something. Maybe it's a marathon. I know that Simon Barber is training for a marathon. Some of us half marathons, some of us 5Ks, some of us triathlons. Whatever it may be, how much time do we put into that training? And do we just expect to turn up on race day and expect that, you know, everything's going to be okay? I haven't done any training, but it's all going to be fine. Of course we don't. If we want to train ourselves for a physical challenge, we need to practice and we need to prepare. We need to be ready for that race or for whatever that is. And it's the same with us as Christians This is why Paul uses so many of these analogies. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Train yourself for godliness. For physical training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every single way because it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Are we training ourselves in godliness? Are we ready? Are we prepared? You know, if Jesus Christ was to come back today, are we ready? Am I ready? Christ Church, are we ready for that? Are we prepared? And we put in hours and hours and hours into practicing. If we want to learn an instrument, we put in hours of practice. If we want to learn academia, we put in hours of practice. If we want to do a presentation at work, we put in hours of practice. 
Are we as serious about training ourselves in godliness as we are those other things? And as I've looked at this passage, Luke 12, these are some strong words. Jesus is not messing around here. He does not mince his words in Luke chapter 12. But are we ready if Jesus was to come back today? Practice the presence of God. That's what I felt God has spoken to me about this week as I've been preparing this sermon. Practice the presence of God. So I'm going to start by asking you a question. And I want you to be honest with yourselves. Just take a moment to think about this for yourself. If God was standing here now and he was to ask you, how's it going? How's your intimacy with Jesus? How's your relationship with God? Are you close to him? If he was asking you that right now, what would you say? Just take a moment to think about that. Honestly. See, these last few months have been quite good for me. They've actually been pretty tough, and there's been a number of things that have been come my way, and I felt like I've been hit from so many different directions. And it says in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare, and, and I really believe that I've been in this spiritual battle the last few months particularly. So many different things happening, family stuff, health stuff, stuff going on, hit from this direction, hit from that direction. But it's been good for me because actually I've had to start relying on God again and going back to him and being honest with him and crying out to God. Like David in the Old Testament cries out to God. I've had to go back to that. The other day I was going for a walk on a prayer walk and I had my old Bible with me. This is a Bible that I had about 10 years ago and I'm looking at this Bible and this is a Bible that is worn. Okay, It's a messy looking Bible. Pages are ripped. They're scrunched up. There's highlighter everywhere. There's notes. The end of the Bible is coming off. It looks like a worn Bible. And I looked at this Bible and I thought, this is fantastic. I must have had such a close relationship with God at this time. I've got an example of, of someone's Bible. This is someone's Bible in this church. And you look at this Bible, all these notes. This is a worn Bible. Eight years ago, the vicar of this church set this church a challenge to read the Bible in a year. And the owner of this Bible has read every year, I think except one, seven years has read the Bible in a year, and it has transformed his relationship with Jesus. Transformed his relationship with Jesus. Because he's committed to read this word. This word that has power, this word that has life. This is the word of God. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through this word. And if we're serious about training ourselves for godliness, we need to study this book. We need to get to grips with this book. We need to ask God, God, what are you saying through this word? A man called R.T. Kendall, one of my most favorite preachers of all time. He's in his 80s now. He's read the Bible 45 times in his life. And I listen to this man speak, and I think, this is a man who is close to God, because he knows his Bible. Do we know our Bibles? What your Bible looks like tells a lot about your intimacy with Jesus, your relationship with him. 
And I got home from this walk and I looked at my current Bible and it made me sad. It made me sad because I looked at this Bible and I thought, this is a nice, clean, neat looking Bible. The pages are together. There's a few notes, there's not that many. And I thought, what, what happened along the way? How did I lose this? How did I lose this intimacy, this close relationship with Jesus? And as I was walking, I felt he said to me, Revelation 3, verse 2. And if you're not charismatic, then uh, that word just came to my mind all of a sudden. Revelation 3, verse 2. It says, wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. And this is where God is talking to the church in Sardis in Revelation. And God is talking to this church and he's saying to this church, from the outside you look like you're alive. But I'm God, so I know, actually, are you really alive? It looks to me like you're dying, but on the outside you're alive. But it looks to me like on the inside You're actually dying. You're not close to me. This is what God says to the church in Sardis. And if I take this in my context, in our context as a church, is this me? From the outside, it looks like I'm alive, but really, is that what's going on inside my heart? If we were to ask ourselves that question, what would God have to say about us if we were featured in Revelation? What would God have to say about this church, Christ church? We are a church that looks alive In the diocese, we're a big church. There's many of us here today. We're an alive church. In the country, we are known as an alive church. Is that really what's going on? Do we practice the presence of God? Are we ready for Jesus to come back? Honestly, is that us? To honestly ask ourselves that question. And I'm going to be honest with you. The last few months in this vacancy period, have been tough. See, there's no point in me trying to pull the wool over your eyes and say, you know, everything's fantastic, and get up here and be excited and say, yeah, we can do this, we can do this. You know, I'm an optimistic person. But actually, it's been tough. The staff team are tired. We're sad that we didn't appoint a vicar. We're depleted. We're struggling. Honestly, that's where we're at. I'm not going to try and lie to you and say that it's all okay. It's very easy to say that. It's very easy to say, yeah, we're fine. We're we're doing well. But really, it's tough. And we're in a spiritual battle. And we need people to chip in. We need people to serve, to come alongside us, to pray for us, to come to the prayer meetings on a Monday night, tomorrow night, to help us out, to invite a staff member around for lunch, Just to know that you're there with us, because it's hard to practice the presence of God. There's two things you could do. One is you could say, oh, you know, Christchurch is in vacancy. You know, it's not quite as good as it was. I'm going to leave and go to another church. Please don't do that. The second option is Christchurch is struggling. I'm going to get stuck in. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. Because that's where we see God show up. When we are weak, he is strong. That's when we see God show up. Help. Wake up, church. Strengthen what remains and is about 
to die. And when I heard that word, it, was, it wasn't a bashing, it wasn't a discouragement, it was an encouragement to me because actually it was like God was saying, God, George, I know that you've still got that within you. I know that you've got that passion for me, that longing, that desire to go closer with me. I know it's still there, but strengthen it back up. Wake up. Stop being asleep. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. You see, we live in a time in the UK, in the Western world actually, in the church, where we would rather go to meet with Moses than we would go to the mountaintop ourselves. Honestly, that's the way it looks. I want to meet this leader, or I want to speak to that famous Christian, or have lunch with that person. If I could get to that person, or read that book, or listen to that podcast, then I'll be close to God. Whereas we can actually go up the mountain ourselves. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn yeah, that we don't need that priest anymore. We don't need that person to go to in order to get to God. We can go to God ourselves. We can put this into practice and practice the presence of God. Are we ready? Are we prepared? And I read some commentaries about this passage, and many of the commentators would say that you know it's about us going out and making disciples and doing this and doing that. And I thought, yeah, that is what it's about. You know, I'm an evangelist. We should be making disciples. But unless we ourselves are ready, what's the point in going out and making disciples? Because we're going to make people that look just like us. We first need to be ready to practice the presence of God for ourselves, that we can go to Jesus just as we are. Do we do that? Do we do that as individuals? Do we do that as a church? You know, that's why the prayer meetings are so important to come to. Because that's where, it really, the rubber hits the road. Are we willing to put in the hours to practice the presence of God? To practice coming to Him? One of my struggles is that I'm a busy person, and I like to be a busy person because it makes me feel important to be a busy person. And I get this done, I get that done, and you see this person's life change, do this, do that. It's great. It's great to be busy. And I love that. And it's part of it's part of my problem, really. And I pray the prayer of Solomon. The prayer of Solomon is, Lord, give me wisdom. And Lord, give me wisdom in this church. You know, I feel in the deep end completely. The vicar's gone. You know, I've been in ministry a few years, but not that long. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to lead this church. Give me wisdom to do this, to do that. And I look at that prayer of Solomon, and it was a good prayer. And God said good things about it. But then I look at the prayer of David. The prayer of David was, Lord, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life. David was a man that was after God's heart. And Solomon's prayer was a good prayer, but... Look where it got him. Didn't get him very far. David was a man who messed up time and time again, but he was a man who was forgiven because he was a man who was after God's heart. And God used him for incredible, incredible things. And we bash Gideon. 
Gideon in the Old Testament as well, we say, Gideon, oh, you know, he didn't have much faith. He asked God, oh, you know, God, are you really with me? And I'm going to put this fleece out, and I want this fleece to be dry and the ground wet. Then I'll know you're with me. And God does it. He says, oh, yeah, but are you really with me? And he says, I want the fleece to be wet and the, gri- and the, dr- the ground dry. And God does it. He says, okay, I think you're with me. And then he has an army of 10,000 people. God says, whittle it down. A thousand. He says, yeah, okay. Gets it down to a thousand. Against a hundred thousand. And then God says, no, too many. Three hundred. Gideon says, let's go. You see, because God was with him, he didn't care anymore. He just got on with the job because he knew that God was by his side. See, we have this. We have the Holy Spirit. Christ Church, we have the Holy Spirit. We can do this. We've just got to get up and get on with it and put this into practice. Stop talking. We like to talk. Are we really putting this into practice? I met up with a guy a couple of weeks ago who brought me to tears as he shared. So a guy from this church, as he shared his journey of faith the last year, and he's really struggled in many different areas. Lust, porn, all sorts of stuff with work. And he said, you know what, at that time, it just it didn't mean anything. But I, I could just do it because I wasn't close to God. And I was living off a faith that I'd had when I was a child, but it, it wasn't real to me. And he said, in the last six months, I've started reading Luke's Gospel. This was such an encouragement to me that he started reading Luke's Gospel and he got stuck into the Word. And he'd been reading Tozer, If anyone's read Tozer, Tozer is fantastic to read. And he'd been reading Tozer, and the words had been speaking to him. And he said, I just love worship music. I'd never liked worship music before, but now I'm just singing all these songs. I'm listening to this stuff in the car. And it brought me to tears because this man has just been transformed by the presence of God. Can't be anything else. It is that alone. And as he shared this with me, I thought, this is what I want back. I want this back. Christchurch, if we put this into practice, we would see our city changed. And I don't just want to stand up here and say this and get excited and talk about this like, yeah, we can do this, and then we go into our workplace tomorrow and nothing happens. Please, let's go in this together. I've committed to go for a prayer walk every single day. And I made that commitment to someone who I meet up with regularly to pray. What are we committing to do in order to be ready, in order to be prepared if Jesus was to come back today? Ask yourself that question. There's a slot that we've been doing in the church called What's God Been Doing? And uh, Felicity shared today what God's been doing with the Eco Church, and that's really encouraging to see. But I want people coming up to me and saying, George, I've got to share this. Because God has been doing this in my workplace. God has been doing this in my family. God has been doing this in my heart. And we need to tell people and encourage people in that. What's God been doing? Let's bring those stories together. Let's pray that we would see this stuff happen. As we come to a close, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And really, my prayer is, come Lord Jesus. If we want to be ready, 
If we want to be prepared, then we need the Lord Jesus to change us from the inside out. That needs to be first. Before we go out, before we do anything, we need to experience his power, his presence. So I'd ask you to put your hands out, if you would, to receive. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for all the incredible things you have done in this church. Thank you for the ways in which you have used this church. And Father, we acknowledge that we are what seem to be in a live church. We have many programs, we do many things, many good things. But Lord, if we too were featured in the book of Revelation, what would you have to say about us? So we pray, come Lord Jesus. And as we spend a few moments just being quiet and thinking about that for ourselves, Lord Jesus, empower us by your Holy Spirit to go out and to put this into practice this week, to truly get on with it, to stop talking about it. We pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to spend a few moments. If you'd like to just continue putting your hands out and to receive, just spend those few moments waiting for Jesus. Jesus.